This is the Mount Carmel Christian Church Podcast. Today, Senior Minister Dee Dee Bacon will be teaching the message. Good morning. Preacher comes out on the stage and starts kicking wires and making a noise. Apologize about that. Glad you've made the decision to uh, join our gathering, whether in person or online, uh, whether you are sitting with us here or whether you're sitting with uh, us, uh, joining us online. You know, the Bible calls us to gather, and in Hebrews, they're encouraged not to forsake the gathering. Well, that, that term gathering has uh, is taken some interesting application for us uh, today, and i be honest with you, I'm grateful for the fact that uh, we have technology that allows us uh, during these times to facilitate gathering here, but also gathering with you uh, at home, however you're watching, uh, online, uh, being part of this time. purpose of our gathering is uh, we gather on Sunday as Jesus followers because Jesus came back to life on Sunday, the first day of the week. And so the first day of the week becomes the time in which those who are saved by grace through faith, living the life that Jesus provides and the spirit that uh, is within them, they gather on this first day because it's the basis of uh, their worldview, their basis of their life. It's the reason why they are living in this world. We're living new lives. And so we gather the first day of the week in order to reaffirm one another and the, the matters of faith that we hold near and dear, a time in which we can gather together as one to hear from God's Word through teaching. We gather together as one to uh, proclaim our faith and taking communion. All these things are reasons why we gather. Hebrew writer says, we gather so that we may spur one another on to love and good deeds. We might give what God's given us to bless another, whether in prayer, whether it be a word of encouragement, whether it be a smile, whether it be uh, just, uh, just being together and being reminded that we're not alone in this, this journey, that we are part of a family of faith, that we are children of God through Christ and called to be part of uh, God's family business in the great work that He's doing in this world. One of the things that I love about the place that I work out at is that they play great music. Apparently, when, when my crew uh, was part of Fit for Life, so, so the old people that work out there, they always like to play like 80s classic stuff, 80s rock stuff, which is okay. I like that. So they play all kinds of music. I like to work out with music. How many of you like to work out with music? Um, so it helps me out. Uh, when, I'm, when the beat's good and you're doing on the bike and you're like, okay, I'll just keep going to the beat, it seems to make it work better. When you're lifting and you're in pain, you listen to the music, it takes away the pain, you push through the pain. Uh, and so they play all sorts of music. Most of the times it's upbeat. Every now and then they'll play country music. I know, and, uh, you know, country music, motivational, I don't know if it goes that, but it, it really does every now and connect me. I'm, I confess, please don't send me hate mail. Please don't be like hating on me. I'm not a fan necessarily of country music, uh, but I do enjoy, you know, they can sing. You know, some country musicians can sing, and the musicianship is something to be appreciated, but not necessarily a fan, but there are some songs that stick with me. The other day, I was working out, and it was a song, and I, I honestly, I, I laughed out loud because the lyrics were hilarious, and the song was catchy. It was one of those things that it stuck with me, particularly the chorus, 
I kept saying it over and over and over. It's one of those songs that stuck with me. So I did some digging, some research into the song. It's a song by a guy named Chris Jansen. Is there a Chris Jansen? Yeah? Some of you Chris Jansen fans? All right. Here's the name of the song. You're going to all like this one. It's called Buy Me a Boat. You ever heard that one? Listen to the in-depth, powerful lyrics and insights regarding life that's found in the song. Verse 1, I ain't rich, but I'm, uh, I'm, I'm darn sure want to be working like a dog all day, ain't working for me. I wish I had a rich uncle that kicked the bucket that I was sitting on a pile like Warren Buffett. I know everybody says money come by happiness, and this is what stuck in my mind. But it can buy me a boat. It could buy me a truck to pull it. It could buy me a Yeti 110 ice down with some silver bullets. What's that? Anyway. Yeah, I know what they say. Money can't buy me everything. Well, maybe so, but it can buy me a boat. And that buy me the boat was what stuck. It can buy me a boat. And I kept having that in my head over and over. <laughs> verse 2 makes you want to buy a boat. That's right. Listen to verse 2. They said, they call me a redneck. They call me a redneck, while tra- white trash and blue collar, but I could change all that if I had a couple million dollars. I keep hearing that money is the root of all evil, and you, fi- and you can't fit a camel through an eye of the needle. There's some Bible reference here. I'm sure that's probably two, but it still sounds pretty cool. But it could buy me a boat. It could buy me a truck to pull it. So uh, I was sharing this um, this song. We were talking about it as we were getting. We kind of discussed things regarding the sermons, and I was talking to my good friend Aaron Adams. And Aaron Adams is a country friend. He knows the song. He loves the song. So pray for him. Um, <laughs> he loves the song. And Aaron, in the course of it, you know, while I was like, "Man, come on, get the Bible reference right," you know, I was starting to be a little like that. I was like, "Doesn't even quote the Bible correctly. It's not." Money is the root of all evil. Paul says it's the love of money that's all the, root, the whole root of all evil, right? And so I started to get that way. But Aaron's like, no, wait, just think about that. Why does that song resonate? Why does that song work? Why is that song something not only the fun tune, but they can buy me a boat? Why is it that it's, it's not about money? While he's singing about money, the truth is he's not talking about money. What he's talking about is our need to create meaningful experiences that perhaps having a little bit of resources provide. He's talking about some deeper needs that are really universal to all human beings. A lot of times we would like to have the resources so that we can create meaningful experiences. We want a boat so that we can go out boating with our family and friends and create moments that that connect us and bring us joy and happiness. Now, today's passage of Scripture, we're journeying through uh, James' letter to Christians, and he's giving Christians wisdom... Wisdom is doing the right thing in the right way at the right results. Wisdom comes from God. He's, giving, he's sharing wisdom to, for Christians by which they can live in this world. Wisdom to live in this world following God's Word, living by God's will. That's, that's what James is all about. And so this whole series, wise, wise words, words to live by, that, that's where we're going. And, and we'll have a whole series of 12 things, 12 statements that come from James that we can, can see as wisdom to live by in this world as those of us who want to follow God, who want to, to live for Jesus. 
And so as we go through this journey, you're going to come to a passage today in, in James chapter 1 where he is going to start talking about money. But I want you to know that it's not about money. While you, you may think the subject material is about wealth and about those who are poor and those who are rich, he's actually going after something deeper, something more significant, something that I think every one of us struggle with and every one of us needs to learn to become more like God in not living in a way that the world calls us to live. Let me share with you what he says. If you got James chapter 1, I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible, right? And I'm going to be reading James chapter 1, beginning at verse 9. Please just just follow along with me. Let's, as one body, one family, uh, engage in God's Word together as uh, as I read, okay? It says, But the brother of humble circumstances is to glory in his high position. But the rich man is the glory in his humiliation, because like flowering grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with a scorching wind and withers the grass, and its flower falls off, and the beauty of its appearance is destroyed. So too the rich man, in the midst of his pursuits, pursuits will fade away. But he can buy me a boat. This is not a song about money, right? This is not a song while on the, on the, on the surface he's talking about folks that are, are rich and folks that are poor. You might think James is, is getting down on those who are, are, are rich and saying those who are in, in poverty, lower on the socioeconomic status are, are blessed. You might think about that on the surface, but the truth is he's not talking about money. What James is really getting to, what is at the heart of of this teaching, is the godly characteristic of humility. Humility. And biblical humility is not what we've made humility today. I think the best way for me to explain this is to kind of say this. Humility is the antidote to the game we all play, particularly in today's society, particularly in the world of social media, in the world of posts and tweets and likes, in the world of putting out there an image of who we are for the world to digest. Humility is the antidote of a game we like to play called image maintenance or image management. Keeping up with the Joneses, dressing for success, padding our resumes, pretending to be someone that we aren't exactly. When we're with the, with the athletes, we, we talk like we were a varsity player. When we're, with, when we're with the folks that are at church, we talk like church people. When we're with our, our colleagues at work, they don't even know that we go to church by the way we operate. We tend to, to kind of shade this picture of who we are to tailor to the audience we want to impress like we're wearing masks. That project an image of who we are, who we want people to see us so that we could be accepted, so that we can be liked, so that we can have what we're after in life. We all are into image maintenance. We talk in a way that we're mindful of 
the things we say to the certain people so that we can, we can foster this image. And, and the bottom line is, is that what happens in this image maintenance thing is that it begins to erode away who, as who we are. See, God never created us to be fractured beings. God never created us to be different parts and different people in different situations. No, God created us to be whole. You know, the word peace, and we get this, the word comes from the word shalom in, in the Hebrew, peace in, in the New Testament, but it ultimately has the same meaning. The, the word means wholeness. We think of peace as lack of strife, and that's an aspect of peace, but peace is wholeness, togetherness. It's being one person that's consistent, that's the same, regardless of situation. You see, Jesus was the most humble person. Why? Because Jesus was always Jesus, regardless of the situation that he was in. Jesus didn't play the, the image maintenance game. He was humble. He operated his life based upon an accurate truth-based picture of himself. See, when we play this image maintenance game, the consequences are is that we say we're not being real, and that affects our relationships, affects our psyche. I mean, why is it that people get more depressed by spending time on social media? Well, they get depressed because they see other people having things that they wish they had, and they get into this competition of having better posts, nicer posts, happier posts. Why? Because they're in this game of image maintenance. They're not at peace with themselves. They're not whole. They're not humble. So look what, what James says regarding this, right? Let's just break this apart. What, what, what is humility? What does it look like? Well, James gives us insight here. He says this. I'm going to do a deeper dive into what he says. He says, but the brother, so he's referring to Jesus followers, so folks within your church family, people of faith, the brother of humble, the word humble here means lowly, right? On the bottom rung of, of the socioeconomic ladder. Now, understand in the first century, there was really not much of a middle class, so either you had a ton of money or you didn't. Remember, most of the culture, most of society, majority of people were slaves. In other words, they were owned by someone else to do jobs for that person who was their owner. You had the haves and you have the have-nots. So within the church, more than likely you had people on boss, separate sides of the socioeconomic ladder. You had the, the ones that had money and the ones that did not. And so he says, to those of you that are in the, in the camp, probably the majority of you in the camp of, of being in a lowly position, glory, he says, those of you in a humble positions, glory, the word glory means that which identifies. When we talk about glory, think of it, that which identifies. So the glory of God is those things that identify the presence of God. Glory that be identified with your high position. The brother of humble circumstances is to glory in his high position. Well, what is his high position? How is it that, that James is saying that you who have lowly circumstances as a Jesus follower are a high position, that you're to have a view of yourselves based upon your position in Christ? Well, what do we know of the truth of Scripture? We know that Scripture teaches that no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter where you are on the, 
the pecking order of the socioeconomic ladder, you have value to God. Why? Because the truth of Scripture is, for God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him, regardless who you are, what you've done, where you are, whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. God loves all people. You have value, and the measure of that value is the life that God gave His only Son for you. So if you are in a lowly position in the world, as a child of God, you are in a, a position, a high position. And you're to identify your life within that high position. You're to live in a manner that reflects that, because not only are you a child of God, you've been called to the family business of God by being resourced by supernatural power, the Holy Spirit in your life. So I'm aware of a ministry that works with uh, folks in the slums of Nairobi, Kenya. These are people that are literally living in shacks with sewer running down the pathways to their house in stench and filth. Millions of people. There's a ministry that goes out and, and reaches out particularly to, to women in this situation. You see, when you are a, a single woman, if you're a, a woman without a husband in that scenario, you have only one option really to make a living, and that's prostitution. Yet in that ministry, they come to these, these ladies and say, ladies, you value to God. Come to Christ through faith. And in that, you are no longer to identify as a prostitute, but as a princess, as a child of the living God, and as a child of the living God, your life living in that identity is not to be one of prostitution. Instead, through the resources of the church body, through the gifting of the Spirit, this ministry helps these women not only understand their identity in Christ, but to live it out. They equip them through opportunities for micro-business like like sewing and making dresses. And so these women begin these small cottage industries within the slums of Nairobi where they're, what, identified by their high position. Why is that? Because Christianity is the greatest releaser of human potential. Why? Because it says no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, you have value and you have value to give. That's the high position. That's an accurate view of God's Word on, on who we are, those of you that feel in a lowly position. He addresses those in a, in, in a, on the opposite side. Listen to what he says. He says, and the rich man is to glory in his humiliation. The man who is a Christian that has resources, the rich man is to identify what? With his humiliation, identify understanding his low position. What does that mean? Well, he gets into it. He says, because like flowering grass, he will pass away. See, those of us that have resources, and I'm talking to every single one of you in this room, that while you might be struggling financially, while you might struggle in terms of how things are, you might not consider yourself rich uh, in terms of standards of the United States, bottom line is you're more rich than pretty much majority of people in the world. You have more resources available to you than physically than, than pretty much most people in the world. You're to identify with what? With the understanding of your low position. Because you know as a Jesus follower that God is the owner of all things and that He blesses us with resources 
to manage them on His behalf, to invest them in things of His kingdom, you understand that what you have, what you consider valuable and wealth, is really going to burn up. It's really not going to last beyond death. You're in a position, you're to identify yourself with applying that truth to your life, saying, look, what God has blessed me with is an opportunity to invest in the things of eternal. And Jesus said, put your treasure in heaven. Invest in things that will make a difference in eternity. Be generous. Sacrificially give to those who are in need. Be a blessing. You know, the church would not move forward if it wasn't for the generosity of wealthy benefactors. Jesus was supported by people who shared of their resources to support the ministry of Jesus. The church was supported by people that were generous with the wealth that they were blessed. Why? Because they understood this perspective. They understood that they were managers, and because they were blessed with much, they had much in terms of responsibility and opportunity to give. That's humility. Let me just say it this way. Simply put, humility is seeing myself, seeing yourself through God's eyes. Humility is seeing yourself through God's eyes. Now, this whole series is entitled Wise Words to Live By. There's a series of, of 12 statements, right? Last week was if you're going to pray for a bike, what? Pray for what color? Pray for a red one, right? Bold and, 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 and faith-driven prayers. Well, here's, here's the one that I think captures this concept of humility by which we're to live by. Here's how, how I think it lands for me. Don't lie, starting with yourself. Well, we can flip that. You can say, always tell the truth, beginning with yourself. Now, stay with me here. We believe our words make a difference. In fact, the people we talk to the most are the people I would say we have the most influence over, right? I mean, the people that you talk to the most are usually typically people that are closest to you usually people that you uh, share with and, and give whatever you have to share regarding life you communicate with most. You have the most influence over the people you talk to the most. Well, guess who's the person you talk to the most, really? Yourself. Yourself. Let's be honest, we all talk to ourselves, right? Some of us in our mind and some of us out loud. In fact, some of us even answer ourselves when we answer it right? But we talk to ourselves. And the problem is, is that many times when we talk to ourselves, as one person said, one of the greatest tragedies is, is that we lie to ourselves. We don't necessarily tell ourselves the truth, and that gets us into some serious problems in life. We're not open to the truth that perhaps we're not as bad as we say. Our perfectionist friends, when they mess up, what do they do? The, the conversation is pretty nasty to themselves. Oh, you're such a loser. You always mess up. Oh, blah, 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 blah. How many of you know that little conversation going on? 
Or perhaps when, we, when, we, when we're in a situation, we might think of ourselves even more. We think of ourselves uh, perhaps beyond what's real, that we're more significant than we really are, that we're more needed than we really are. I, I think about this, how it translates in my relationships. Uh, I'm you know, having a conversation with Shannon, and all of a sudden she'll say, why are you, why are you shouting? Why are you getting mad? And I'm like, I'm not shouting. You want to hear shouting? Right? And I'll get all defensive because I'm telling myself I'm not being mad. I'm not being aggressive. Well, how, how, how silly is that? I don't see myself talking to myself. Shannon's the recipient of my communications. And regardless of the fact that I might think that I'm not getting aggressive or being defensive or coming across mad, Truth is, is that she's the one receiving that, and she's receiving that message. I lie to myself in saying I'm not being that way. The truth is, is that I'm obviously being that way to her. And it requires courage and requires humility to say, okay, I, I'm sorry, I, I'm not trying to be that way. Obviously, I am. Let me tone it down. Let me, let me, let me recalibrate what I'm doing. Are you with me on this? Do you understand how that works? Don't lie to yourself. It's the foundation of humility. See yourself from God's perspective. Now, here's the problem. The problem is we run in a world that's full of image maintenance and jockeying for positions and for what we want by projecting images of ourselves, good or bad or whatever. And we run at such a pace that a lot of times we fail to take the moment to engage in activities that, that are helpful for us to be recalibrated, if you'd like, on the truth. James gives a great image of this further on in verse 22. He says, it's like looking in a mirror, <laughs> right? Talk about reality check. Get on the scales or look in the mirror. How many of you get on the scales and look at it and get off again and say, nah, it's lying, and do that again, right? We all do that. But this is what James says, verse 22 of chapter 1. He says, do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves, so do what it says. Anyone who listens to the Word, that's the truth of Scripture, but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. You look in the mirror and you see your hair is out of whack and you need to comb it and you don't comb it, you just walk around. Or you've got something over your face or there's something that needs to be corrected. That's what he says it's like, ignoring the truth of what you look into. But whomever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Don't lie, starting with yourself. Stop playing the image maintenance game. See, God wants us to be real. He wants us to be whole. He wants us to live in humility. And humility is not denying what is good in a, in a like, oh, no, no, mealy-mouthing yourself, nor is it puffing yourself up beyond what you really are. Humility is looking in the mirror of God's truth seeing what you see and operating from that perspective. 
my discipleship group, my uh, meeting with meet with four guys, we have a conversation, and a couple of guys were talking about just how stressful life is for them right now, particularly with work. And today's economy situation, if you've got a job and you're good at it, what's happening is that you are being dumped on, right? They want you to do the work of three people because staff is being let go based on whatever. And so these guys are, are running like crazy. So they've got their family lives, they've got their work lives, and they've got their just everything going on. So it's boom, 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 fall asleep, get up, boom, 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 fall there's no room for reflection. There's no room for downtime. There's no room to, to be quiet and to listen to God. And so we were talking about, hey, what are some practical uh, suggestions you have? And two younger guys were asking us, more seasoned guys, not older guys, seasoned, a little more experienced. We were asking us old geezers uh, about what was going on, how, any suggestions. And so uh, one of the guys had a great suggestion. He said, I recommend that you make the commitment. Everyone can find 10 minutes. Take 10 minutes twice a day, one in the morning, maybe one in the evening, 10 minutes, to engage in an activity where you do something for yourself, he said. Well, this is an opportunity. I, I, I'm taking it a little further. Take an opportunity to do some reflection and think about it as like looking in the mirror. Take 10 minutes twice a day to go for a walk and to look around you and to appreciate God's creation and receive what the truth is being communicated to you, that you are a created being loved by God. Take 10 minutes to read a passage of Scripture and reflect on that. Take 10 minutes to, to just pray about what's going on, the red bike prayers or green bike, whatever bike you want to pray for. Take 10 minutes to, to just Take some music that feeds your soul, that, that is based on the truth of God's Word, that will bring a perspective of truth that will help you be like looking in the mirror and remember what you look like in those reflective moments and live by that truth. Take two 10-minute opportunities a day. Find that 10 minutes. We can all find it, right? How do I know that? Because I bet you you check the scores for your favorite team. Or I bet you, you uh, scroll through in 10 minutes all the stuff going on Facebook. Take 10 minutes and engage in an activity where you look into the truth of God's Word, look into the mirror so that you might see the picture there and understand, hey, the truth. Understand the truth of what God's words telling about you and the world, and so that you might live by that. That's humility. Those of you that are in lowly positions, identify with your high position in Christ. Those of you that are in high positions, identify in understanding your, the, the humble position that God has placed you in as, as a manager of God's resources for, for good. Now, you are a child of God and called to the business, family business of God. We're going to take communion, and hopefully you have your little cup of bread, cup with bread and juice in it. We'll ask that you start working and opening up the top, and this is an invitation for you at home. You want to grab your, your communion stuff there, however you have it prepared for those of you that are here. Uh, and if, you, if you've chosen not to join with us in communion, that's okay. That's okay. Uh, that's, that's, that's something that we, we invite you to participate in as a matter of faith, and if you're not there, that's okay. Uh, maybe... Uh, if you just sit and you might learn something about 
about the Christian faith and what it communicates. But when you take the bread, I want you to hold the bread up, and I want you to think about something. What does taking the bread say about me? So the bread represents the body of Jesus who was uh, hung up on a cross because of my sin. The bread represents the fact that God so loved Didi that he sent his one only son, that if Didi believes in him, Didi will not perish but have everlasting life. God did not send his son to condemn Didi but to save Didi through him. The bread tells me that I cannot be right with God by my own means, by my own actions, by my own righteousness, but instead, the only way to be right with God is to accept this gift of love offered for me. That's what this bread says about me and about you who take it with me. So we're going to force open the little juice bucket thing, times we live in. And it is some red juice. And the red juice is the fruit of the vine that represents the bloodshed of Jesus. And so we know that we are in need of a Savior. And when we're made right with God through faith, we become His child. We're made right with Him for a, a relationship with Him, to walk with Him. But that's not all. Not only do, are, we, are we valuable to God as, as, met, as testified by this, we're valued to God in that we're given value to share from God. The Spirit of God comes within us. You see, Jesus didn't die and stay dead, but He came back to life. And the Bible says that the power that raised Jesus from the dead is the power at work in any one of us who are Jesus followers by the Spirit. That means that the things that, that the, the life that, that came from Jesus' resurrection is a life available to me. I have value to give in the world, whatever that place may be. Whatever level on the socioeconomic level uh, ladder you might be, you have value to give because God in your life. Let's remember that as we take the, the juice together. Will you please pray with me? Lord, we just thank you for this truth, and I pray that you would help us to accept it. Forgive us for the lies we tell ourselves, the the narratives we play regarding who we are that may not be accurate or definitely not grounded in God's Word. Lord, we have a tendency to sometimes beat us up and allow ourselves to be treated worse and, and, and terribly because we have a view of ourselves as trash, as, as someone not worth loving, or whatever it may be. Forgive us for that. Lord, we have a tendency sometimes to, to over, uh, overthink of ourselves, to think we're more capable than we are, more needed than we are, more, uh, more, more influential than we are, more, more resourceful than we really are. Lord, help us to, to see the truth that all good things come from you and to be grounded in that and to be confident in that, to be whole in that and to, to live by that, a, a life of gratitude and and reliance on you. Lord, help us to to be humble as Jesus was humble, to see ourselves from your perspective, to stop lying to ourselves, to always tell the truth starting with ourselves.
pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can find out more about us on the web at mtcarmelchurch.org.